Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. They use the same 5G network, same cell towers as the big carriers, and most families saving close to $1,000 a month. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, with optimism once again on the rise in America, the working people of this country are more important than ever. Well, now they have a podcast that celebrates them and tells their stories on the job from hired to retired. Well, it's a new podcast from our friends at Express Employment Professionals that digs into the lives of men and women at work and explores their journeys as they fight to make the American dream a reality. On the job takes the listener through the ups and downs of making a living in America. Now check out the new podcast on the job from hired to retired on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Or just go to expresspros.com slash podcast for more information. I've always thought I was, I've been pretty good with people, and uh, I've basically spent a conflict-free life. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a guy that ever got into fights on the street and uh, with the public and everybody, but I've done my time. You know, I've done it as well and as respectfully as I think anybody can. I think if you talk to the wardens, them, they'll tell you I've been there. I, I, I gave them my word. I believe in the jury system. I've honored their verdict. I have not complained for nine years. All I've done is try to be helpful and uh, encourage the guys around there. Hey, man, do your time. Uh, fight in court. And don't do anything that's going to extend your time. And that's the life I've tried to live because I want to get back to my kids. All right. And uh, have these programs prepared you to return to the community setting? At least so. You know, I look. I uh, I've missed a lot of time, like 36 birthdays with my with my children, and you know I spent the 12 years leading up to this incident in Vegas raising two kids in 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 in. Uh, in, in L.A., I mean, I'm sorry, in Miami, and 
you know, with all the media stuff, you know, we got these guys like Jeffrey Felix making up stories and stuff. That was happening out on the street also. Uh, but I was able to keep them to keep their eye on the ball. They had great grades and went to the college of their choice, and I ended up missing their graduation because of it. Trust me, I wish it would have never happened. But as I said, the courses that I take, and uh, it, it, I, I hope it helps me more if I run into those conflicts with my kids. I'm not a guy that has conflicts on the street. I don't expect to have any when I, get, when, when I leave here, but I feel that I'm much better prepared, but more so... From I think my 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 commitment to being a better Christian because uh, I thought I was a good guy. Uh, I had uh, some problems with uh, fidelity <laughs> in my life, but I've I've always been a guy that pretty much got along with everybody. Mr. Simpson, you organized this crime, in which two victims were robbed at gunpoint. It was a serious crime, and there was no excuse for it. <laughs> deserve to be sent to prison. You've been in prison now almost nine years, the minimum amount imposed by the court. You have complied with the rules of the prison. You have programmed in an acceptable manner. You have no prior conviction of criminal activity. You're a low risk to reoffend on our guidelines. You have community support and stable release plans. We've heard from you and from your victim. The question here, as with all parole hearings, is whether or not you have served enough time in prison on this case. Considering all of these factors, my vote is to grant your parole effective when eligible. We believe that we're a fair board. We believe that we're a consistent board. Um, I will let you know that that consistency also goes to parole. And um, we do not look kindly upon parole violations. Um, and if I cast my vote to grant and, the, and it concludes the hearing, our expectation would be that you not violate even the simplest condition of parole. Having said that, um, I am prepared to cast a vote. I am prepared to ask the commissioners to set conditions. Um, if, if that happens, um, we will produce an order sometime in the next 15 to 20 minutes that will be faxed to you or presented to you at the institution, and it will become a public record. So based on all of that, um, Mr. Simpson, I do vote to grant parole when eligible. And that will conclude this hearing. Thank you. All right, there it is. O.J. Simpson has been granted parole after nine years in prison, and we'll get all the details about the release, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what's fascinating here? I um, I remember where uh, O.J. impacted my early career in television, and I'll, I'll give you some background here. And the reason I'm bringing this up and that it's even relevant is I'm looking at a room of people that know very little about the case. And there are some of you that are wondering and pondering why, what, what is this such a big deal? You didn't know the USC running back phenom that was O.J. Simpson. You didn't know the Buffalo Bills 
running back that was one of, by far, at the time, the best in the NFL, one of the most gifted and talented athletes ever. And very few of you even remember nine years ago when he was put in prison because, you know, he's a leading participant in an armed robbery, and which is considered a violent felony, and he was drunk at the time this all happened, an aggravated condition that the parole board could have considered against him. It was This is the outcome that everybody, by the way, was predicting coming into today. And, and generally speaking, what, he had a 30-year term or 33-year term, whatever it was, Generally speaking, you think, oh, nine years is not a lot of time to spend in prison. Apparently been an exemplary inmate and and did his job and tried to help other people. Wasn't a pain in the neck. And except for the Daily Mail article yesterday, I don't know if you saw that. article. I'm not talking about it, so forget it. You'll have to look it up yourself. Um, I was like, oh, my gosh, tabloid news has gone absolutely crazy. But it's so funny. So, I, but, but this has impacted my life, this story. I remember watching, covering this, hours and hours and hours of coverage. It's where I got to know Mark Furman. It's where I got, I've known, you know, Robert Shapiro for years. I have a great story with Neil Bortz and me and Robert Shapiro. Right after the, the verdict came, I had Rob, Robert Shapiro. I stole him from Neil Bortz and put him on my radio show and kept him from going to Neil's show. Uh, not on purpose. Well, yeah, on purpose because I was a competitive radio guy. It's a great radio story. And I remember, for example, my career in some ways actually was impacted by this. You know, when I first met Geraldo Rivera, as I was called from Atlanta, where I was broadcasting locally, and I was called up to New York. And I did Geraldo's daytime show. And that was after I had been called to New York to do Phil Donahue's show. Phil Donahue was beating up talk radio even back in, in that day. Phil Donnie puts us all out on the stage. Neil Bortz was on that show, too. Tom Likas was on that show. And he puts us all out on the stage. You see those guys up there? They're the ones saying bad things about your president. I doubt liberal Phil would be doing a show today about the horrible Rosie O'Donnell, Johnny Depp, Kathy Griffin, severed heads issues, and, and Hollywood's fascination with the president being dead. I don't know if he'd be doing that show because it doesn't fit his liberal politics. So, but I remember a number of times being talking and talking and following this and then the bloody socks and the blood in the Bronco and the blood at the scene and the knife and he takes off. And I recently saw a Netflix special about, I think it was Rob Kardashian and OJ's assistant gets out of the car with OJ. OJ goes in the house. The assistant comes out with a bag. She puts the bag down and Rob Kardashian runs away with the bag. And people are wondering, well, what was in that bag? And a lot of people think, okay, this was a, a relatively small memorabilia robbery and he got 30 years. Was it basically just to get back to him because everybody thought he was guilty? And then I remember the great divide in the country. I'll never forget where I was when the verdict came in. I was in a, a newsroom and do a local radio and the verdict comes in. And everything that we saw in the country, there was this divide along racial lines in the country. And I saw it right in front of me. I was stunned. And then there were people celebrating because they felt like this was unfair. And, you know, jury nullification became a big issue at the time. And it divided the country even back then. I know you think this is the only time the country has been divided. That's not true. And this will not be the last time the country is divided. That I can promise you. 
So the day I remember I was on the Dr. Sonia Friedman program on CNN, which obviously no longer exists. And Tavis Smiley is on with me and Tavis and I laugh about it to this day. And anyway, so at one point I make the comment, of course, he's a suspect. And she's getting very agitated at my comments. Shocker. (laughs) Things have really changed in my life. People get mad at what I say. I said, of course, he's a suspect. You know, there have been charges of domestic abuse. We saw the pictures of Nicole Brown and her face beaten up. And then so the Dr. Sonia Friedman says, that's irresponsible, something to that effect, that I was saying that he's a suspect. Seconds later, I mean seconds later, CNN breaking news, the arrest of O.J. Simpson is imminent. And then leading to the great Bronco chase. And if you're older, you remember exactly where you were during that big Bronco chase. Jason is the only one in this room that is shaking their head. Anyway, Jason, where were you? I was in La Strada in Roswell, well, Georgia at the time. Well, the Bronco, ch- the Bronco chase was going on when the Knicks were in the finals against Houston. So I'm watching it home, and then all of a sudden they go to the split screen. And and it goes from there. Yeah, and, and there were stories that people who were at the Knicks game while the game was going on, people started walking out of their seats because there were whisperings that were going on, and they they were walking into the hallways in the concourse to find a TV to watch the everybody, chase. Everybody was gathered around the bar yeah, watching was, the it chase. Was, it, was, it was a surreal thing because here's an NBA championship game. I'm, no, people we were watching out of the seats. Larry King. Is the caller there? Hello. No, Larry King was on CNN at the time. I remember distinctly. Now, you, well, you're, you're looking at me with disdain, like, why am I wasting precious airtime ever even mentioning this? How old were you, five years old at the time? Yeah, I mean, it's just irrelevant to me, and I, I honestly think it's irrelevant to most people. At the end of the day, he's a scumbag who murdered his wife and left his children motherless. Well, you know nothing about the case, but, but- you're convinced that he committed the double murders now i believe that well why do you believe that because i read the timeline and i read all the evidence and okay you know you have to be asleep at the wheel to think that he's innocent but putting all of that aside okay so he stole some fancy memorabilia he served more time than he should have because of the fact that they didn't get him on the amount of time they wanted in the first run and then uh to finish all of this up we still don't have a budget. We still don't have health care. Trump's still getting killed every day in the media by our disgusting mainstream. And, uh, you know, we got Antifa in the streets committing all sorts of crimes. I mean, what effect does this have on our everyday lives? Can you feed your kids one more meal if this guy gets out or in? No, you can't. So who cares? Okay. And is there, now, Ethan, you don't know anything about the case either, right? Uh, no, I was and, too young. And Sunshine, you know nothing. How, were you even born at the time? I, I was in kindergarten. You were in kindergarten when this all happened. You know, this is really making me feel great about myself. I got to tell you, really making me feel. Anyway, at the top of the next hour, Geraldo, his entire career was it was revitalized over this issue. And he's been covering it for Fox News all day. He'll join us at the top of the four o'clock hour. He's been out there all day and he's been watching this up close. So we'll check in with him. We're going to stay on the issues of the day as well as we have Republicans. It's almost beginning to feel to me like they don't want this president to be successful. That's how it's beginning to feel to me. So we'll get to that and uh, all the other news of the day. And, of course, the deep state is at it again. And I don't think this is ever going to stop. I really believe that. I think this goes on forever and ever and ever. Attack Trump, destroy Trump and do everything you can do to not make this guy successful. So we'll get to that, the other news of the day, and your calls, 800 941 
All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, telephone numbers, 800-941-SEAN. Let me move on. I am beginning more and more every day. I've, I've laid out on this program how I think there are five forces aligned. Are they conspiring together? No. Are they working independently? Do they all want to achieve the same goal of hurting the president? Yes. The worst is the deep state. We learned recently 125 secretive, selective Deep state, in other words, illegal leaks that have all been timed and designed to hurt the president from ever accomplishing his agenda. We know the Democrats are nothing but obstructionists. They think of no solutions to any of our problems. They're not trying to fix health care. They're not trying to fix the economy. They don't want us energy independent. They don't want a wall. They don't talk about North Korea, the bad Iranian deal, the bad economy, people in poverty on food stamps and out of work ever. All it is for them is Trump, 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 Russia, Russia, Russia. They never talk about anything positive that's going to improve the lives of Americans that are suffering. And then you got the media, and it is, it is unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. They have declared war on a sitting president, and they have set out to destroy him. New York Times, Washington Post... You got two cable networks. No matter what's going on, I'm shocked they spent five minutes on OJ today. You know, just, just to take a little bit of a break, poor Allison Camerata, she spent a whole 93% of her show on Russia, Russia, Russia. Even she said she's sick of it. What does she have, a three or four-hour show in the morning? I don't even know. So, and then you've got Republicans. Now Republicans can't keep the most fundamental promise they made to you, the American people. They can't get it done. President saying, I've been here six months. You people have been promising this for seven long years. Get your job done. No vacations. We'll play some of that when we get back. And he's right. And he's impatient. It's not the way he rolls. President's doing a lot on his own. He's making great judicial appointments, doing a great job at the border. The VA's been transformed and is being transformed. All those promises he can do on his own, ending Obama regulations. And then you've got the fifth part of this you know, of this group of people, and that's the never Trumpers. They they are so desperate to say to people that voted for Trump because they know better because they write and read national review online. Publication. You don't even half these people didn't even know William F. Buckley. I did. And they want them to be able to say you were wrong and we were right, and they want to be relevant. I'll explain when we come back. 
right, 25 till the top of the hour. Toll free, our telephone number is 800-941-SEAN. O.J. Simpson granted parole, one of our top stories today. Now, so I just went over how the deep state, how Democrats, how the the obsessed, the obsessive compulsive hate Trump media is trying to undo the election results. And then, of course, Republicans, I'm beginning to think more and more that Republicans, they're only too happy to see this president fail, that they that their number one desire is just to make sure he doesn't succeed, even if it means that he they themselves will ultimately pay the price. How else do you explain not repealing and not replacing Obamacare, which was their number one priority? By the way, this just handed to me by somebody who doesn't know a single thing about the O.J. Simpson case because she was five years old. Linda telling me O.J. Simpson will take home 25 grand a month if he's released from prison. I guess what is part of his pension? I'm guessing. All right. Funds that aren't subject to seizure by creditors. You may make as much as that. That means the Goldman family and the Brown family don't get anything. That really is, well, 25 grand, I guess that's the amount. Is it from football? Do we know? Anyway, with some outlets like, you know, he's has roughly $250,000 in the bank. Others reported he's worth $3 million. Who knows what he's got in the bank? Who knows? But any other income, I'm assuming, and I'm not sure what he's going to be doing at 70 years old. He's, you think, he's not going back in the NFL. The NFL is not taking no, him No, back. no, no. That's not what I I was telling you. That's where the pension was coming from. Oh, okay. Good grief. 70. You didn't even you didn't watch one minute of that trial, did you? Which one? Back in the day? Back in the day. No. No. Ethan, you were in, you weren't even born yet. I was probably roller skating, doing something better with my time. By the way, how much trouble did your father in law get in for the comments that he made on the program the other day about your wife? Only oh she just called and wanted to say that she's not a whack job. Oh, is that it? She's just correcting her father as if her father wouldn't know? Did her father pull you aside before you got married and say you're marrying a whack job? Oh, yeah. Actually, the day of the wedding, he asked me if I was sure I wanted to do this. <laughs> the, the, your wife's father is telling you she's a whack job. And you and, didn't li- and her brother. And you didn't listen to them? Nope. You, well, that means if they're saying it, you married a whack job. Oh, no, no, no. What, what, what do you mean? So the father's lying. The brother's no, lying. Everyone you're, has their wait, wait, own. No, 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 no. You're calling the father and the, your father-in-law and your brother-in-law oh, a liar. Oh, Sean, this is just cruel. <laughs> everyone, He's got nowhere to everyone go. Everyone has their own perception on the same issue. So you're saying that they're wrong? I'm saying they're wrong. You're calling your father-in-law. You're saying the, the man who raised her, for how many years was she in his house? I would say, I wouldn't say. 20-some-odd <laughs> years. And how long have you known this girl? You're gonna. Tr- you're trying to get me in trouble. How many? I think we how many talk years? About OJ Simpson. How many years did you know this girl before you married her? Well, our families. We, we've known each other for a long. time. I didn't time. ask you. How long have you really known her? How long did you date her? Uh, like three years. Okay, so you've known her three years, and the father. And how old is she? Same age as me. How 28. old? Twenty-eight. So the father that's known her twenty-eight years knows less about his daughter than you do, and you've known her three years. I think he has a different perception of. And the her. brother. How old's the brother? Uh, 36. So the brother that's known her for 28 years knows less about her than you do, and you've known her for three. 
I'm I'm getting myself in trouble. I mean, O.J. Simpson is really a horrible human being. I don't think he should be let out. So when her own father and brother call your wife a whack job, who are you going to defend? Ethan, do you have a white Bronco that you can get into (laughs) and uh, get on the road immediately? I'm leaving the studio now. (laughs) You're leaving the studio? Hey, Jason, that doesn't bode well for marrying somebody if the father and brother say she's a whack job. No, Annie is not a whack job. Okay. Objection, you're badgering the witness. (laughs) I'm not badgering the witness. Uh, And Sunshine, I see you're being all quiet in there. If if your soon-to-be father-in-law and brother-in-law told you the man you were about to marry is a whack job, wouldn't you take that seriously? I would question their judgment. Listen, Sean, I hung out with Annie like twice, so I know her very well now. (laughs) And I don't think she's a whack job. I think she's very sweet. Let me guess. One of the times was at the wedding, and she said five things to you. Exactly. I told her she looked really pretty. Uh, Oh, gee, that was a great conversation. I I, I think you know her heart and her soul and her mind and everything. I found her to be quite the delightful human being, okay? Did you dance with her at the wedding? Yes, I did. You let Jason dance with your bride? Of course. He's a friend. Why wouldn't I, I? What, do I not trust Annie and do I not trust Jason? What are your implications there? Yeah, what are you oh. trying to say? Well, I think it's pretty obvious to those of us that know Jason what I'm <laughs> suggesting. So At a wedding? Uh, maybe the not. Bride? A, nah, well, what's your favorite hangout place? Yeah, Coyote. Well, uh, man, you have <laughs> exactly. a really low, low I um, do not have a lot. No, because I, you know what I love the most about you is how you take care of your entire extended family. I love that about you. And thank I, you. I think you're. Just I, don't have me dancing with any bride. Well, I don't like the fact that I recently gave you a bonus and you blew the whole thing on some uh, on a burial plot for yourself, and you blew the whole the rest of it at a at Coyote Ugly. I thought that was dumb. You, th- you, you of all people are questioning me about yeah. using money on on. Funeral arrangements? You? I don't have any funeral arrangements as of now. Yeah, like, you are. You're going to be like the Indian chief and going to the woods. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I'll be headed to a, a resort somewhere where nobody can find me, and I'll hire people to take care of me because I don't want my family cleaning me up every day, you know, the spit and whatever. I think that's a horrible thing for me to do to my family, and I don't want to. I want them to remember me as I was, the wise ass that I am, the talk show host that I am. The fighter that I was, because I won't be fighting. And, you know, well, you know what? Maybe I will be. Liberal Joe, I still hate you, even though I'm about to die. <laughs> I can see that going out. A lot of people, as they get near the end, say their best lines in the whole in their whole life. Let's be honest. Oh, there's a certain, you, you know, there's the most brutally honest people on this earth. And you got to love them for it. You got to love children. Mommy, look at that fat person. I mean, it is. Has Liam ever done that? Oh, yeah. Well, no, you don't have to say it because everyone knows every kid does it. <laughs> he did it two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> he, we were in the park yeah. and he likes to blow bubbles on people's bellies. And he went up to my friend yeah. and he went, oh, big belly. <laughs> I like died a thousand deaths. See, but we take the, this bright light of children and then now think about this for a second. All right. They're stating the obvious. And then, quote, out of politeness, we teach them, no, you can't tell a a person that's heavy that they're heavy. You can't say the truth. 
So no, some no. people who say the truth are told they have to stop saying the truth and to play nice in the sandbox. You know, I mean, they tell you as you get older that you can't you can't have this unfiltered, clear, truthful response anymore. You mm. can't just tell people like it is. You need to be kid gloves. And other people oh. would like to just give it straight. Well, actually, there's some nuance to what you're suggesting here, and that is that. When you have people that work in collaborative situations, that there can't be the one that's so brutally honest that it destroys any possibility that anybody can collaborate together. And that and that hang on. And then dozens of eggs will start being thrown across the room and people will be waterboarded in the room and people may end up dead and bloody on the floor. But like an O.J. Simpson murder. So what you're saying is that we should all be socialists and carry the dead weight no, in the I'm not water for that. those who aren't bringing their own. Let me get back to my point. The most honest people in the world are children. <laughs> children are brutally honest. And I actually think that there's a there's a fine line between teaching them how to be polite and a fine line in putting the light that they don't see it anymore. In other words, they have a, a propensity to see truth. And then society takes that light of truth away from them and, and, and darkens it and says, you can't see that. Don't see what you see. And you have to deny the reality. Or if, you, or if you do see it, like I see everything. I can't hide it. So if I see somebody that's overweight, I'm noticing you're overweight. I just, it's, now it's not the most important feature. I care about people's minds, hearts, and souls. That matters far more to me than what a person looks like. But. It, but in the other case, you're not going to marry somebody that you're not physically attracted to. It's just a fact. And I'm also saying, in case you're interested, the other honest people, sometimes older people in life get brutally honest. And all of a sudden, you know, like grandpa begins to let it out that he hates grandma and has hated grandma for years. Or grandma lets it out that she hates grandpa. I could tell you a funny story. I won't tell who it is because I don't know if these people are still alive or not. But there was somebody in my family. No, this is a true story. You must be very close to them. (laughs) It was an elderly couple, and they were living with each other. They weren't married, but they were living with each other. Anyway, so they ended up at our house on a fairly regular basis for dinner. And the woman had no idea that she spoke her thoughts out loud. In other words, she thinks that she's just thinking. And yet she's verbalizing it loudly at the table and had a disdain and hatred for my mother and would sit there and brutalize her. We are dying laughing. It is the imagine you're old and whatever. I mean, you run into cognitive difficulties in older age and imagine you're you're sitting there and the person doesn't know that they're talking out loud. They think these are their thoughts and they think that their thoughts are quiet and she's out there. And she's just saying it very matter-of-fact, what a, what a beep, what a boop, what a, yeah, that's sort of like Linda. I mean, we don't need to get her to old age. It's because it's the exact God same thing. God help us all. Um, you ever see that? Oh, my, and, you know, imagine we're young kids. We are dying laughing. What and did your my, mother do? She's getting pissed. She's getting really What's pissed. What's your father doing? He didn't care. He, I think he was enjoying mom getting beaten up on it. Oh, <laughs> That's a, this is a crazy Irish dysfunctional family. you got to remember that. <laughs> so, but I like the honesty, but we do tell people not to see truth in life. We do tell them. Now, there's a difference. You can see truth, but you don't have to verbalize it like a kid. 
But I don't think you should ever squash the ability of children from noticing the things that they notice. You know, you've heard of looking at life through the eyes of a child. What does that mean? That means that, you know, they're noticing the flowers. You know when the last time I've noticed a flower? I don't have time to notice the flowers. I don't have time to see the sunset. I don't have time to look at the trees whistling and blowing with the wind and, and so on and so forth. Because I, I work for a living, and most people listening right now identify with me. We don't, you know, by the time you get up in the morning, this is what pisses me off about government, too. This is what pisses me off about the Republicans. Because they're not doing their job to make our lives easier and getting off our back and giving us our money back. They're not helping those people suffering in poverty and on food stamps and, and out of the labor force. They, they'd rather just beat up Donald Trump, that whole group of five that I was telling you about. Most people get up in the morning, and this is how your day goes. Oh, crap. Boom. Shut off the alarm. Oh, crap. You know, race to the bathroom. Oh, you know, you're in a foul mood the minute you get up. And then you're thinking, all right, I got to do this, 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 and this today. Okay, you quickly shower. My shower's at three minutes. Yours are five hours. I'm kidding. How long do you shower for? Fast. I have a, I have a kid. Okay, how fast do you shower there, Ethan? As quick as I can, because I need to catch the train. And Jason, you definitely have to spend time on that mohawk every day. Uh, I'd say it takes you minutes. an hour a day, total, all told. Getting dressed, picking out your clothes is an art in itself. An hour? You think? Look at you got swag. Nobody else in this room has swag. Granted, but for an hour? How long does it take a day? Don't lie. Forty-five. It takes me about what 10, 10 15 minutes at most to shower, and then to and how pick long out to pick clothes? out your clothes? This is this. I I'll actually think about it the night before, but it's not taking an hour. Right, so you maybe, start thinking maybe ten minutes. Okay, I, you know how long it takes me to pick up my clothes. I walk in and I pull off the neck shirt and the rack, and I wear the same pair of jeans two days, and then I switch it on the third day. That's what I do. Sunshine, and then so then we shovel coffee down our throat. We take care of our kids. We feed them. They aggravate you before you ever get out the door. You put in your twelve, fourteen, sixteen hours a day. Then the government steals half the money you make. Then you come home, and with a little bit of luck, you get the kids to bed to do their homework, get them through their activities. You know, you sit down, you shovel down a, a vodka just to, so you can hopefully pass out at the end of the night, and you go to bed and get up and do it all over again. So when I say nobody has time to smell the roses, in part because half the money we make is ripped off by the government. It's just the reality of life. And the realities of life is life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is not simple and easy, as some people say. Anyway, 800-941-SHAWN is on number. I, did, I have no idea where all that came from. None whatsoever. It just came flying well, out Well, you're of in your old age now, so you say what comes to your head, you know, without filter, you know. You know, you are... You sure you didn't have that thinking out loud thing for the last 15 minutes? Okay. Are you all enjoying That's yourself? That's freaking funny. You are in trouble today. <gasps> You are in, you know why you're in big trouble. No way, man. Uh, yeah, way. You no. love my honesty. I am angry at you now. Oh, no. Oh, yes, ma'am. I got your back, Linda. What? Yeah, okay. I don't, you shush. I don't want to hear from you. Why are you getting involved in our fight? All right, we were going to have the vice president on today, but his schedule got, uh, well, batched up a little bit, so we apologize. He said he'll be back as soon as he possibly can. Um, we do have Geraldo Rivera. He's out in Vegas right now. He's been following the O.J. Simpson. If you're just joining us, Geraldo made his career on this, and he is going to give us his take on O.J. getting paroled today. 
And so we'll have some coverage of it tonight on Hannity. Newt Gingrich will get back to some of the serious issues, not the least of which is the open sabotage of so many disparate groups against the president, wanting him to fail. But in the process, it's the American people that get screwed over royally. So we'll get to that. And also, we have another instance of liberal hate against a Donald Trump supporter. This time it involves, oh, let's see, a plastic surgeon in stitches. It's so awful. Straight ahead. I've always thought I was, I've been pretty good with people, and uh, I've basically spent a conflict-free life. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a guy that ever got into fights on the street and uh, with the public and everybody, but I've done my time. You know, I've done it as well and as respectfully as I think anybody can. I think if you talk to the wardens them, they'll tell you I've been there. I, I, I gave them my word. I believe in the jury system. I've honored their verdict. I have not complained for nine years. All I've done is try to be helpful and uh, encourage the guys around there, hey, man, do your time, uh, fight in court, and don't do anything that's going to extend your time. And that's the life I've tried to live because I want to get back to my kids. All right. And uh, have these programs prepared you to return to the community setting? So, you know, I look. I uh, I've missed a lot of time, like 36 birthdays with my with my children, and you know I spent the 12 years leading up to this incident in Vegas raising two kids in 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 in, uh, in, in L.A. I mean I'm sorry in Miami, and you know with all the media stuff, you know we got these guys like Jeffrey Felix making up stories and stuff that was happening out on the street also, uh, but I was able to keep them to keep their eye on the ball. Got great grades and went to the college of their choice, and I ended up missing their graduation because of it. Trust me, I wish it would have never happened. But as I said, the courses that I take, and uh, it, it, I, I hope it helps me more if I run into those conflicts with my kids. I'm not a guy that has conflicts on the street. I don't expect to have any when I when, when I leave here. But I feel that I'm much better prepared. But more so. From I think my 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 commitment to being a better Christian because uh, I thought I was a good guy. I, I had uh, some problems with fidelity <laughs> in my life, but I've I've always been a guy that pretty much got along with everybody. Mr. Simpson, you organized this crime in which two victims were robbed at gunpoint. It was a serious crime, and there was no excuse for it. <laughs> You deserve to be sent to prison. You've been in prison now almost nine years, the minimum amount imposed by the court. You have complied with the rules of the prison. You have programmed in an acceptable manner. You have no prior conviction of criminal activity. You are a low risk to reoffend on our guidelines. You have community support and stable release plans. We've heard from you and from your victim. The question here, as with all parole hearings, is whether or not you have served enough time in prison on this case. Considering all of these factors, my vote is to grant your parole effective when eligible. We believe that we're a fair board. We believe that we're a consistent board. Um, I will let you know that that consistency also goes to parole. And um, we do not look kindly upon parole violations. 
Um, and if I cast my vote to grant and, the, and it concludes the hearing, uh, our expectation would be that you not violate even the simplest condition of parole. Having said that, um, I am prepared to cast a vote. I am prepared to ask the commissioners to set conditions. Um, if, if that happens, um, we will produce an order sometime in the next 15 to 20 minutes that will be faxed to you or presented to you at the institution, and it will become a public record. So based on all of that, um, Mr. Simpson, I do vote to grant parole when eligible. And that will conclude this hearing. Thank you. All right, there you have it. O.J. Simpson granted uh, parole earlier today after spending nine years in prison in what was a robbery built on the issue of memorabilia. And, of course, uh, he was one of the organizers orchestrating this. He did have one of the victims testify on his behalf that it should have only been a two- or three-year sentence. Could have been as long as 30 years. Joining us now, this man covered the O.J. Simpson murder trials more than anybody else in the country, knows every intimate detail uh, better than anybody, and it's uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Geraldo Rivera. He's been out there all day in uh, Vegas. How are you, sir? Hello, my brother. I'm sorry that uh, you're not here with me. Uh, once again, uh, we watch as O.J. Simpson captivates uh, public attention as the parole board uh, verdict is handed down. All right, let's go through from your position. You thought this was going to happen. I was, I've was. i been talking to you and watching this, and it seemed like it was inevitable. It was inevitable because he did follow the rules. Give the devil his due. He may have committed brutal double homicides in Brentwood back in 1994, and he did commit this rinky-dink robbery here in, uh, uh, in Nevada, uh, you know, nine years ago. But he was a model prisoner. He's 70 years old now. He didn't break any of the rules. He was helpful behind bars. Uh, so uh, the fact that he is a, a wife-murdering skunk uh, you know, it has very little to do with whether or not he should have been granted parole in this Nevada case. I think they did the right thing. I, I thought it would be unanimous, uh, you know, and now uh, you'll have O.J. to kick around again starting around October 1st. All right, let's go from your perspective. I mean, Geraldo, every night your ratings were, I mean, to say off the charts, incredibly spectacular. I mean, I think you can even make the argument that, like, you and Larry King were the two people, and this was about the time that cable news really began to explode. I, if I remember, I think you were number one in all the cable at the time. And, and was, and we beat the broadcast networks during the, when the verdict uh, was handed wow. to Sean. But the, the fact of the matter is when you consider that these, the homicides were 23 years ago, uh, because of a lot of reasons, that I, you know, I, including uh, how uh, the Dream Team exacerbated racial tensions in the country, and they, they rode that race train. Can I stand uh, you know, up for my friend Robert Shapiro? Robert Shapiro did not do that. Well, he, he may not have, but remember, the lead counsel was Johnny Cochran, who that next year was voted the defense attorney of the year because he was so brilliant in the exploitation. Uh, but, but put Shapiro aside. The fact of the matter is that O.J. Simpson beat a brutal double homicide rap. There's no doubt in anyone's mind, and indeed the civil court jury found uh, uh, three years after the fact that he was liable for the wrongful deaths of his of his wife, uh, ex-wife, the mother of his children, who were inside at the time uh, he almost cut her head off, and Ron Goldman, her friend, who just was in the wrong place at the uh, at the wrong time. 
Simpson is someone who, for various reasons, there's a magnetic attraction to. Because, uh, you know, he was a great football player. He was an affable pitch man for Hertz uh, Renicar. He was a minor movie star. I just saw him in uh, uh, Towering Inferno just a couple of days ago. Uh, and all those naked gun uh, movies or police squad, whatever it was. I mean, everybody knew O.J. And to see this, uh, this exalted figure, this friendly person, uh, this transracial, uh, charismatic, uh, smiling person who is, who is good friends then with a, a New York uh, man about town named Donald Trump. Uh, you know, everybody liked or loved O.J. And then to see him. Did you know, did you know him before all of this? I did not. I did not. I mean, I, I, it's, it's so fascinating. I obviously knew the president uh, for years before that uh, and during that period. But I did not. I interviewed uh, the president about O.J. in 1995 during the trial. Uh, he was married to Marla at that time. And the president said, I have to tell you, I, if I was on that jury, I would have a very difficult time with my verdict, the president told me. Obviously, he was a private citizen at the time. Uh, because uh, the facts as they are being uh, told to us and the circumstances of this crime, I think I'm quoting him uh, pretty exactly, it's just not the O.J. I knew. Uh, you know, and Marla then chimed in and said, uh, you know, you never know people until you spend time with them. You never know that they have a dark side. But O.J. shocked everybody with these crimes. And that's uh, when you see the fascination, you talk about my rating. What about last year? Three, in the third decade after it happened, people watching the OJ series in record numbers, Game of Thrones kind of ratings it got last year. The OJ Simpson uh, documentary series that started with the racial violence in LA that, uh, uh, that followed the Rodney King uh, uh, verdict, the acquittal of the, of the White Cops in, in that case and then traced it all the way to O.J. Simpson and the Las Vegas armed robbery, uh, the burlesque uh, amateur hour robbery. People are fascinated. They're going to continue to watch this man. The, the, the question will be, Sean, whether or not he can now finally put his life together, or will he, because he's such a narcissist, because he has such a, a combustible personality, will he once again explode uh, you know, uh, maybe another domestic violence case, maybe another road rage case. Uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see. I give him 50-50. Let me ask you, and uh, you know, for me, the over the evidence was overwhelming and incontrovertible. I mean, how did he get blood on his socks? How did he get blood in the Bronco? I mean, I remember that Mark Furman once told me that there was a bloody fingerprint on the gate that they never even brought into evidence for some reason. I don't know if you remember that particular point. And then how do you explain the overwhelming incontrovertible evidence and the deep racial divide that we saw in the country at the time? Well, I think that they saw, remember, that case wasn't, they could have tried that case on the west side of L.A. The west side of L.A., like the Upper East Side of New York, it's very uh, uh, upscale. It's largely white, a lot of professionals, a lot of strivers. Uh, you know, they could have tried on the, on the west side of town where it happened. Instead, they chose to try it downtown in the, uh, in the center city uh, in the wake of the Rodney King verdict where nobody in the community believed anybody on the LAPD. Uh, you know, so once they had our, our friend Mark Furman, once they had Mark Furman on the witness stand, and they and Epley Bailey asked him famously, have you uh, now or ever used the N-word? And uh, he said, no, I haven't. And then they came up with the tapes, and they proved that Furman was uh, lied under oath, that he had... Uh, you know, those, those jurors, 
uh, nine of them uh, black or uh, African-American, nine or ten, uh, one Latino, and then uh, one uh, uh, Caucasian, one white woman, uh, you know, they heard the evidence coming from cops they did not trust. They hated the cops. They hated the LAPD. The, uh, the feelings about the LAPD were lower historically than they have ever been. And it was in that context that he goes to trial. And with all due respect to Robert Shapiro, Johnny Cochran took the lead. Johnny Cochran, uh, you know, played that race card with such Do you remember what skill. Shapiro said at the end of the trial that he felt his own defense team dealt the race card from the bottom of the deck? That was a huge controversy. It was, but by then Simpson had been acquitted. And you can't retry him. It's double jeopardy. So the best they could do is bring that civil court lawsuit for wrongful death and get the $33 million judgment for the Goldmans and the Browns. But whether or not they ever collect, you know, the thing about O.J. now with these TV series, he's being pursued now by ravenous wolves and from Hollywood who want to, you know, do interviews with him, want to go pay-per-view with him, uh, want rights to his life story, want to follow him around because of that ratings magic that he has. Uh, you know, hopefully the Goldmans, particularly because they All are... Right, stay right there. We got a, a Geraldo Rivera, who followed more closely than anybody else in the country, the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, we'll have a few more minutes with with Geraldo, and then we'll check in with Newt Gingrich and whether or not the Republicans have any intention of keeping their promises to you, the American people. And was he serious when he said Nancy Pelosi could be speaker if they don't step up? All right, as we continue, Geraldo Rivera is with us, Fox News Channel. My uh, friend and colleague, he's out in Vegas more than anybody else in the country. He knows exactly every detail of the O.J. Simpson trial. What did I forget? I remember the bloody socks, the bloody Bronco. And did you see the Netflix? What are you, what are you in a car? You must be in a car. Yeah, we... Uh... Everybody's running around. There's no, no, no. You're playing the. You're playing the slots. I know what you're doing. You're playing the slots. I, 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 no, I'm not a gambler. And uh, you know, Reno, what they call it, the uh, the biggest little city in uh, America. Yeah, it's, it's nice though. I think for the uh, the brothel out in Sparks. Oh, jeez. We're also ten miles from Lake Tahoe. Here, Geraldo, so you know, you've been you've been rehabbing that old image. <laughs> you know, and you you come on the program and you blow it in thirty seconds. I love you to death. What are you doing? Um, so I go to bed early these days, as you know. No, I know. Loyal husband. All right, so I guess. All of these these things go on with O.J. Simpson. This changes your life. I mean, it took your career to, to brand new heights. You see him today. Did you find him sincere at all? Or do you think he's full of it? You know, I, I think that he's a, such a narcissist and such a sociopath that, you know, they're excellent liars. They have a great charm. I talked about his charisma in the last segment. Uh, you know, that's the reason he was such a popular pitch man. That's why everyone's jaws were just uh, 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 gaping when uh, we heard that he had committed this horrible crime. He seemed incapable of that kind of rage, that uh, that dark side. Uh, you know, but uh, wh- why people are fascinated with him, He is. this is an American horror story. And I watched that, uh, you know, the the dramatization, uh, which was excellent, with Sarah Paulson and uh, and Cuba Gooding Jr. playing O.J., uh, Sarah playing uh, Marsha Clark and, and the other, and knowing the people in real life, knowing Chris Darden, the prosecutor, and Marsha Clark, and all of the Dream Team, and being uh, friends with Alan Dershowitz and some of the others, uh, F. Lee Bailey, some of the people who were engaged and involved in this case, 
uh, you this this saga. It was like I was reliving it. My palms were sweaty again. It was so realistic, and it made the story, the old story from 1994, new again. You know, so that's what I think. Now it's uh, you know 20 year olds are into it. Jay Z on his uh, latest album 444 has a whole story uh, song that he. It's the OJ song, the song of OJ, and uh, the title is uh, "I'm Not Black, I'm OJ" because OJ famously said that. You know, this is a guy that was never involved in the civil rights movement. This is a guy that right. only dated white women, a celebrity millionaire. Uh, but he said, someone said, uh, how does it feel being a role model for African-Americans? He said, I'm not black, I'm OJ. So Jay-Z. Yeah. Uh, right, know, we got to roll. We'll have more with Geraldo tonight. Sean's got more behind-the-scenes information, more contacts than anybody, more friends behind the curtain. Sean Hannity is on. I've always thought I was, I've been pretty good with people, and uh, I've basically have spent a conflict-free life. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a guy that ever got into fights on the street and uh, with the public and everybody, but I've done my time. You know, I've done it as well and as respectfully as I think anybody can. I think if you talk to the wardens then, they'll tell you I've been there. I, I, I gave them my word. I believe in the jury system. I've honored their verdict. I have not complained for nine years. All I've done is try to be helpful and uh, encourage the guys around there. Hey, man, do your time. Uh, fight in court. And don't do anything that's going to extend your time. And that's the life I've tried to live because I want to get back to my kids. All right. And uh, have these programs prepared you to return to the community setting? At least so. You know, I... Look... I, uh, I've missed a lot of time, like 36 birthdays with my with my children. And, you know, I spent the 12 years leading up to this incident in Vegas raising two kids in, 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 uh, in, in L.A. I mean, I'm sorry, in Miami. And, you know, with all the media stuff, you know, we got these guys like Jeffrey Felix making up stories and stuff. That was happening out on the street also. Uh, but I was able to keep them to keep their eye on the ball. They had great grades and went to the college of their choice, and I ended up missing their graduation because of it. Trust me, I wish it would have never happened. But as I said, the courses that I take, and uh, it, it, I, I hope it helps me more if I run into those conflicts with my kids. I'm not a guy that has conflicts on the street. I don't expect to have any when I get, when, when I leave here, but I feel that I'm much better prepared. But more so. From I think my 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 commitment to being a better Christian because uh, I thought I was a good guy. Uh, I had uh, some problems with uh, fidelity <laughs> in my life, but I've I've always been a guy that pretty much got along with everybody. All right, that was O.J. Simpson earlier today at his parole hearing. Joining us now with reaction to all this, Matt Whitaker, executive director of the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust or fact, and Carrie Severino, who is the chief counsel and policy director of the Judicial Crisis Network, and uh, welcome uh, both of you to the program. And, you know, I know for people, as I said earlier in the program today, that didn't live through all of this, they're, they're all scratching their head. How is this the big deal that it is? I do believe a part of me, and I've believed this from the beginning, that a part of his sentencing in this case in Vegas 
this robbery got memorabilia robbery gone wrong is really been about punishing him for what he was acquitted of. Do you believe that, Matt? I do. I do. I mean, first of all, you know, this is a man that's not very contrite. I mean, you know, to, to suggest that he's led, led a conflict-free life as a notorious uh, domestic abuser is, is ridiculous. But, you know, if you think about sort of where he found himself in, you know, in the in the murder, he, he was he was uh, lost the civil lawsuit. So he's proved more likely than not he killed them. But he won the acquittal in the criminal suit, so they couldn't prove his case beyond a reasonable doubt. And we were all there and watched that trial and know how it was mishandled and how the defense was able to completely screw up the prosecution uh, in their attempts to convict him. But, you know, I do believe, I mean, you know, he served, you know, not, he served not over nine years now. And I think that is much longer than any other similarly situated person in a, in a, in a case like this would serve uh, without that kind of notorious background. What do you think, Carrie? Is it your belief that this was somehow associated, this whole robbery memorabilia issue was really about something else? Oh, well, I, I think he clearly, he was convicted of that crime. He did the crime. But I think you're right. The sentencing seemed out of proportion with what you would expect for that kind of a, a robbery and, and, and the kidnapping, which apparently even his victim is now saying, well, he never held a gun on me. You know, the, the facts are getting a little mushy now, nine years later. Uh, but I do think it, it was something that was such a salient moment in American life that this is it's coming back. And maybe this is what it takes, you know, to get the mainstream media off of focusing on some of these, these fake stories they're coming up with, whether it's the Russia stuff or, you know, all these other things. So now there's actually something happening that uh, that people are going are gonna to pay attention to. I, I think, uh, you know, it seems like he has been a, gr- a model pr- prisoner, according to, to all the testimony. So we'll see. Maybe he'll get a chance to try again. I just hope he can do better with his kids than he than he did, as you pointed out, with his with his wife. It didn't didn't have a great track record there. What about the people that were involved in the issue saying this should have been a two to three year crime? Uh, well, I I, 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 don't, I can't speak to the the normal time, but it does seem like everyone's got in the back of their mind. We think something went wrong in this criminal trial, you know, and that, that's got to be part of part of the, the, the calculus, I think. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Well, I think it was really hard to watch, you know, his his statement today where, you know, he kind of tried to explain away or relitigate, you know, the basic facts of uh, the crime and, you know, sort of diminish his role. And as a former prosecutor, um, this would always frustrate me, especially, uh, you know, when people sought pardons uh, from the president uh, back when I was U.S. attorney and it was relevant to my district. I'd see their pardon applications. And, you know, the the idea of, you know, being sorry, being contrite, uh, you know, understanding sort of your full role in the matter and uh, and what you did and taking responsibility for it, you know, was a very important piece. Uh, if I because, you know, as U.S. attorney, I would I would get a chance to weigh in on any pardon or, or commutation um, applications. And, you know, and this, you know, today's was just it was it was I was embarrassed for him. It was, it was pathetic. Uh, he you know, he is somebody that sort of in my entire life, I mean, I was born in 1969, so he was relevant in my life as a football player, as a, you know, celebrity, as a accused murderer. I mean, I became a lawyer uh, at the same time that he went to trial in 1995. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is a... Should anybody worry now that he's been granted parole? Do you, do either one of you worry that he's been granted this parole? You know, I gotta say, I hope he's not going to be next door to me. I I don't, I don't know if I want him as a next door neighbor. It just seems like he's got a little bit of a checkered past. Um, but he's, uh, you know, I guess, again, a lot of his, he, part of the point he was trying to make in his in his testimony today is, 
I don't have problem people on people on the street, but he seemed to almost be admitting I do seem to have some problems with the people closest to me. So he had the domestic abuse issues uh, and things like that. Um, this is why I'm saying I have, I'm hoping that he can he can get those things uh, those issues together with the people closest to him. Whether even the, this um, the robbery suspect thing seems like that was a a friend relationship too. So I think that the people who were closest to him are the ones who might have to be more thinking about okay, is this someone I want to continue to have in my life if he once he's out of prison? Yeah, right. Yeah, Sean. I mean, we just learned that he did get parole today, and so anybody that's a father of a daughter like I am should be fearful of uh, them crossing paths with him, either in Nevada or, or Florida or wherever he eventually finds himself living. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, did, what did you think of the emotion that he showed when he was granted parole today? Well, I mean, you know, obviously he's he's joyful and he's excited and he's and he's. Um, you know, he's overcome by the idea that he's going to get out and breathe fresh air again. I mean, it is not easy uh, to serve. He was in a medium security correctional center, and, and I'm sure it was, you know, it was very difficult, especially as a celebrity where everybody that he's serving with recognized him and wanted to hear his story. But it's, it's, you know, I mean, I still, his statement was just very lacking for me. Yeah. And Carrie, do you feel the same yeah. way? Well, you know, sort of as a Christian, I got to hope that he has used this time Best use well, let me before I ask that question. Do, do both of you yeah. think he was guilty of the murders? Well, Sean, I'll go first. I mean, I you know I watched that trial with great interest, and uh, I do believe uh, that he did it. I think the the civil case was much better um, put on um, and, and and proven as to kind of who he is and when what he did. But but yeah, so yeah, I guess yes, fundamentally yes, I do think he killed those two people. And what do you think, Carrie? Yeah. I, I, I think so. I mean, I obviously wasn't wasn't there on the jury, so I wasn't get to see it in the same detail that they did. But I, it just seems like the evidence was there. Um, but I, I agree, it was it was not well run, and so and, and we have a system that inherently really gives a lot of of, of help to the defendants to you know to make sure that they're not getting wrongfully convicted. But that also means that there probably are some cases where people who did things um, are not convicted, and so I, I think that probably was what happened in this case here. Unbelievable. I mean, I think the whole thing is fascinating. And, you know, the fact that I'm getting so many people, even my own kids are like, yeah, I heard about it, but they don't really understand it the way we all do. And, you know, uh, you know, but let me put up Geraldo Rivera. This was him when he was reacting right after the uh, granting of parole. Life. I have my doubts uh, personally, but uh, it's not up to me. The law was followed. I have absolutely no uh, bitter feelings toward the uh, commissioners. They did what they had to do under the law, as I understand the law. And their order that comes down in 10, 15 minutes, Shep, I think will uh, make that very clear. All right. So, you know, that was their reaction as it came down. And I, I don't think you're going to see the collective. I think it's going to be more of a collective yawn in the country, except for those people like me that really believe he did it. I mean, well, it's a generational divide, right? I mean, there's a lot of people who don't remember it. Yeah, no, a lot. Of, all right. Thank you guys for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. You have been going apoplectic in there all day, having a fit about the whole topic. And you're like, you watched the the trial. I mean, you're not. No, that- I didn't. You, so that's why you don't care. It's not. The, it's it's just the dumbest what? thing in the world. What's I mean, so dumb about it? Who? There's so many criminals that do so many dumb things and hurt so many people. But this OJ trial to take up every single, every single news outlet all day long to watch him to analyze his expressions, his his movements, how, how's he right, feeling? So Who like, cares how he's feeling? Right, so I don't like, care. You're like 30 years old, right? Yeah. How, and what's the point? 
Okay, so how old were you when this happened? Five? When was it? 94? Yeah, yeah, around there. Okay, so, okay, I was in a radio studio the day that the but where are came we down. right now? Where are we right now? We're in, a radio We're in the stu- middle of We're- a budget crisis. The only positive that came out of this nonsense today was that CNN for a whole day didn't talk about Russia Trump collusion. That is the only positive thing that came out of today. Other than that, who gives a crap? This guy is a is a is a is a criminal who murdered his wife, took away his children's mother, and now there's people clapping because he got off because uh, he already served too much time when he what the heck did he do anyway he stole a bunch of memorabilia okay. i mean that's what he is a murderer and a thief fantastic and, and they got the guns involved and everything else but yeah but my point is it's like who cares like are you going to be able to take jason how old were you to college? jason Come do you on. remember the case you do because you're a little older than the rest of the children in there well i i didn't keep super close tabs of it like i i remember i guess obviously, i'm the, the only the, one that well, did the bronco chase obviously i was that was the weirdest of days. They didn't have the bloody socks. They didn't have blood in the Bronco. If they didn't have blood all over the place, I might be inclined to say, okay, maybe they didn't have enough evidence. We'll have some of this on TV tonight, but we're also sticking with our top issues and stories of the day. Let not your heart be troubled. I've always thought I've been pretty good with people, and uh, I've basically spent a conflict-free life. You know, I, I'm not a guy that ever got in the fights on the street and uh, with the public and everybody, but I've done my time. You know, I've done it as well and as respectfully as I think anybody can. I think if you talk to the wardens then, they'll tell you I've been there. I, I, I gave them my word. I believe in the jury system. I've honored their verdict. I have not complained for nine years. All I've done is try to be helpful and uh, encourage the guys around there, hey, man, do your time, uh, fight in court, and don't do anything that's going to extend your time. And that's the life I've tried to live because I want to get back to my kids. Look, I, uh, I've missed a lot of time, like 36 birthdays with my, with my children. And, you know, I spent the 12 years leading up. We believe that we're a fair board. We believe that we're a consistent board. Um, I will let you know that that consistency also goes to parole. And um, we do not look kindly upon parole violations. Um, And if I cast my vote to grant and and it concludes the hearing, uh, our expectation would be that you not violate even the simplest condition of parole. Having said that, Um, I am prepared to cast a vote. I am prepared to ask the commissioners to set conditions. Um, If if that happens, um, we will produce an order sometime in the next 15 to 20 minutes that will be faxed to you or presented to you at the institution, and it will become a public record. So based on all of that, um, Mr. Simpson, I do vote to grant parole when eligible, and that will conclude this hearing. Thank you. All right, MJ, you're next on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you? Hi, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, OJ, whatever. I mean, my goodness. I mean, but he is an actor, right? So. Well, 
I don't know if it's acting that got him out. I mean, good behavior inside a prison was the strongest case that was made, and having well, people that were victims. Good behavior of- when you're probably enjoying yourself, like you know, good fellas up in a nice you know area of the jail. I'm sure he wasn't in a. Well, apparently, I think. Serious. Well, he wasn't in one of the toughest prisons. That's true. But I'd listen. Right. I, I can't wait till he comes back to Miami. Woohoo! Yay! Maybe we'll give him a big welcome wagon. I'm sure he'll start looking for the real killers on the golf course any day now. Absolutely. No. Yeah. You could you could see by Kardashian's face though after the trial that he he knew he did wrong. So. I don't know. Look, for me, it was no, incontrovertible. No, it's you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, just a very interesting. I forget what it's called on Netflix, but it's definitely worthwhile taking a look. But anyway, we'll have the latest on this tonight, the reaction of people tonight, much more. 10 Eastern Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Thank you, MJ. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue straight ahead. We're in this room today to deliver on our promise to the American people to repeal Obamacare and to ensure that they have the health care that they need. We have no choice. We have to repeal and replace Obamacare. We can repeal it, but the best is repeal and replace, and let's get going. I intend to keep my promise, and I know you will too. Since 2013, Obamacare premiums have skyrocketed. In Alaska, they went up over 200% recently. In Arizona, they've been up 118%. And those states are good compared to some of the numbers that are coming out. Despite the promise that premiums would decrease by $2,500 on average, they've actually increased by almost $3,000 and even much more than that in some cases. It's crushing the middle class and the families of the middle class. It's frankly crushing our country. Obamacare was a big lie. You can keep your doctor? Lie. You can keep your plan? Lie was a lie directly from the president. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. 28 times he said it, 28 times. And it was a lie and he knew it was. And now it's hurting this country irreparably. I've been here just six months. I'm ready to act. I have pen in hand, believe me. I'm sitting in that office. I have pen in hand. You never had that before. You know, for seven years, you had an easy route. We'll repeal, we'll replace, and he's never going to sign it. But I'm signing it, so it's a little bit different. But I'm ready to act. For seven years, you promised the American people that you would repeal Obamacare. People are hurting. Inaction is not an option. And frankly, I don't think we should leave town unless we have a health insurance plan, unless we can give our people great health care. Keep your promise to the American people. Don't leave town. Get your work done. And yes, this is what everybody promised. Joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, also the author of the best-selling book, Understanding Trump. He actually said on the TV show the other night that the House would be in real danger if they don't start getting these things done. Mr. Speaker, welcome back. It's good to be back with you, and I I am very concerned. I think they've got to pass a tax cut by Thanksgiving and get it signed into law by Thanksgiving. If they can, in the next 10 days, find a way to get to complete repeal, I think they need to break it into about four bills and move each bill in parallel. Uh, And it's an old story. You may not be able to swallow the elephant, but you can eat it one piece at a time. Because it's so clear that there are pieces of it that are so broken that we should be able to get them passed. Uh, and and uh, I have no idea what's going to happen in terms of the Senate the next few days, because uh, it comes down to two or three people. Plus, of course, with John McCain, I, I think uh, probably um, getting uh, treatment, uh, I don't think he'll be there for at least a week or two. Well, I guess I don't even know why this is so difficult. I mean, here it is the 20th of July. 
and they still haven't gotten their job done. And I am beginning to think that there just isn't the will and the urgency and the desire because if we, if the American people don't see a few hundred miles of the wall built and these guys don't end up repealing, replacing Obamacare and they modify their tax cuts and they don't do tax reform and, you know, then what are they going to – how do they explain that away in 2018? Well, I, I, I do think they're going to get – a substantial amount of the wall done. And I do think that General Kelly, now Secretary Kelly, uh, is having an extraordinary impact on illegal immigration. I think that's a clear success story. I think that they have had a remarkable run. People have not noticed it because the elite media doesn't want to cover it, but Trump has actually sent up more conservative judges uh, in the first six months than uh, Reagan, Bush, and Clinton combined by about four to one. It's just amazing the job the was decided helping identify solid conservatives. Uh, they've, they've repealed uh, 16 regulations for every new regulation, huge step towards beginning to shrink uh, the regulatory deep state. Uh, but I think you're right. They've still got these two big things hanging over them. Um, I think the tax bill is easier to do. And I think if it's a big enough tax cut, if we could get to 15 percent corporate rate and get to a very substantial middle class tax cut and make sure that the corporate rate also applied to small business so that they had a real incentive to hire people, uh, that would lead to an economic boom. And then they've got to go back and keep, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to solve the challenge that we've got with health care. But I, I would point out, though, that 46 or 47 of the members are eager and ready to do something. And the challenge they've got is finding the last two or three. I think they're working it. I know they had a long meeting last night uh, chaired by uh, Senator Barrasso of Wyoming, and I think uh, I was just over at the Senate this morning uh, talking to a variety of people, and I'm modestly hopeful that they'll get something done. I am very hopeful that if they can't get the big bill done, they can start taking pieces of it at a time and getting and get them to sign. Why, why can't they do a simple repeal now, transition, and, and work on it and spend the time and, and have the committee work and work on cooperatives and work on health savings accounts? And, and in the interim, you, you've got rid of the law, and that ends a lot of the, the legislative and procedural problems that they've been facing in the Senate. Well, I think I think that's one of the options they've got to look at. And what you have, of course, is people who stop and look at the details. This is this was the great shock in the House back in January and February. You know, when, when and and President Trump sort of alluded to it in that uh, tape that you just now did when he said he said, you know, you guys kept voting for this because nobody thought it was going to become law, so nobody paid attention. And he said, now it's going to become law because I'm eager to sign it. And now, all of a sudden, it's a lot harder, which, of course, it is. Um, so, I mean, part of the question is exactly how you repeal it, um, because does that mean that you repeal all the Medicaid? You know, and, and I think you could repeal it as of, say, December 2020 and have time to solve each of these pieces. Uh, but that would, be pretty, that would, in one way, be a kind of a symbolic uh, step in the, in, in the right direction. Um, I think they could also repeal pieces of it. Uh, that they could identify that they could get 50 votes for uh, and start. You know, so I would look at fixing the individual market and rebuilding that and lowering premiums for working Americans is one problem. Fixing Medicaid is a totally different problem. I don't it, look. It just sounds disappointing to me. And it sounds like they never. What is disappointing? <laughs> look, I'm with you. I, I told you a couple of nights ago, you know, I had finally concluded that you were more right than I was. Uh, and and you had every right to be kind of frustrated. It is disappointing. I mean, you, we w- I would have thought after all these years of talking about it, we'd be closer to 
a consensus than we are right now. Uh, that, but I'm also trying to say, as somebody who used to run a legislative body, sometimes you have to do what you can do, not what you'd like to do. And I think what we're going to find out and what Mitch McConnell is trying to do in the next 10 days is push the system to the wall and see if he can get those last two or three votes. I mean, I think there's, there's a reason he wants to take this vote. He wants to force every single member to look in the mirror and say, after all those speeches about getting rid of Obamacare, what am I going to do? And the only senator who has a legitimate defense is Senator Collins, because she did vote against repealing Obamacare. So she can say, look, I'm, I'm being true to what I did. I'm being true to how I campaigned. Everybody else has a problem if Senator McConnell pushes this to the wall because all of them campaigned on repealing it. It's just, I, look, let me ask you this question. I mean, we have, for example, next week, you're going to have Don Jr. and Jared. They're going before House committees. And you and I have discussed the Ukrainian issue, the email issue, the server issue. We found these FBI documents. Hillary Clinton not only smashed and broken a little pieces, Blackberries and iPhones, but when the FBI pushed and she handed over the few remaining devices she had, she sends them over to the FBI without SIM cards and the Ukrainian collusion story. And yet it's going to be Don Jr., it's going to be Jared and Paul Manafort being called over Russia, Russia, Russia. It has become such a 24-7 obsession in this country, the media in this country, that it's... I'm with you. I don't understand why the Republican leadership doesn't insist that the House and Senate investigating committees look at all the different evidence, not just the Republicans. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, as, as a person who's been an active Republican for a very long time. I find it very disheartening that we that we have people who allow the media to define for us what we should be investigating. Uh, you know, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's so many things that are hard to defend and hard to explain that happened with uh, Hillary Clinton and with Bill Clinton and with the Clinton Foundation. And, and just to get the evidence on the record would be the right thing to do. But they don't even do something that simple. And I got to tell you, so there was a Bloomberg story today. Now, the whole remember James Comey leaks documents, government papers, and that was leaked to The New York Times. And he did it for the direct purpose of getting a special counsel hired. That ends up to be his best friend and forever, Robert Mueller. And now we've got Robert Mueller, everything that I was predicting. I predicted, number one, Comey would do a book deal. Now he's shopping a book deal. Now Robert Mueller is expanding the probe, according to Bloomberg, to Trump business transactions. What does that have to do with anything? And how far does this investigation creep, mission creep, go? Well, I think the Congress ought ought to be calling Mueller in to defend these kind of things. I mean, you know, he's not some high priest of sanctity. Uh, They have every right to call him in, first of all, and say, why would you hire only anti-Trump lawyers? And they have every right to call him in and say, tell us what you think the boundaries of your assignment is and and what is the limit of what you're willing to look at and then they ought to render judgment i mean if they think this guy's gone crazy um they ought to abolish the 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 job well who would have the ability to do that and what did you think of the president's comments about jeff sessions well look those are two different questions first of all the judiciary committee in the house and senate could easily do it and they should do it um second uh, I thought it was unfortunate. I, th- I know the president feels that way because he's told you that in private. He's told me that in private. But Je- Jeff Sessions is a very decent guy who stood by President Trump all through the campaign, stood by him when there was a period when he, I think he was the only senator who was openly for him, stood by him through all the controversies, did everything he could to help him win and everything he could to help him in the transition. And I understand Trump's frustration. I don't even necessarily disagree with it. But I, I think it sends a terrible signal to his own team. You know, you don't you don't want to think that tomorrow morning you could wake up and your name could be the one being attacked. 
All right, well, and take- I just think the, pres- the president has to have a little bit of – he's got to learn to be disciplined enough to think like a team leader and not just think like some guy who's chatting. First of all, why is he giving the New York Times – a lengthy interview. All right, I mean, stay how can right that there. possibly be to his advantage? It never would. Well, I just turned down a Sunday Times cover piece, 6,000, 7,000 words. Did I make the right choice? Absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you know, when I, when I was first speaker, yeah. they hired a guy who spent three months to do a cover on me. Yeah. And it was too positive, so they killed it. <laughs> exactly. The guy said, no, I just want to do a fair piece. And I said, even if you did a fair piece, one, your editors wouldn't let it run. And then I said, number two, I said they would excoriate you, all your friends in the establishment media. They would they would destroy you. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. More with Newt Gingrich, his best-selling book, Understanding Trump. All right, as we continue with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. You know, do you remember where you were when this whole OJ thing went down? Do you know where I was in Atlanta at the time during the, the Bronco chase? I was... You know, I, I, I was actually at home in, in Atlanta watching it on a, it's a Friday night, I think. Right. Wasn't I was it? at La Strada. Remember La Strada and Roswell? Yeah. So, And everybody's around the television. And so um, what do you think about the country still obsessing over this? Well, look, I mean, O.J. was one of those remarkable figures that was a great sports star, then did, did a brilliant job of transitioning into entertainment. I mean, I still love the Naked Gun series of movies that he was involved in. Um, and so he, he was kind of like larger than life. And then, of course, how do you get a better drama than the white Bronco going around Los Angeles with helicopters over? I mean, the whole thing was insane. And then the trial itself and all the different details. And, you know, I mean, Greta Van Susteren made her entire career out of being the person who kept explaining well, what's th- going on. There, there were a ton of people who made their careers. Do you know that in part, I was on CNN the day it was announced that the arrest of O.J. Simpson was imminent. And I was on CNN at the time, and there was this Dr. Sonia Friedman woman. And I said, just before they had the breaking news, I said, well, of course he's going to be a suspect. Look at the past conduct that he's had and violence against women. And suddenly she goes, that's irresponsible, Mr. Talk Show host. Next thing you hear, CNN, breaking news, the arrest of O.J. is imminent. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so changed, does it? things haven't changed. <laughs> then the funny thing is, is they had no guests at the time at CNN and they kept me and Tavis Smiley on there for like five hours. Wow. I mean, you know, you know, the, the, the thing that struck me, I, I looked at a picture of a day or two ago and I mean, what a human tragedy. Here's, here's a guy who had a great start in life, was a, you know, was a genuine national figure, had a great career, had a ton of money, had a beautiful wife and just, it all got away from him and destroyed him. Um, it really is sad. Him. I, Listen, I actually think the years he got in this particular case were extraordinarily excessive. And I think in part because people wanted him to pay for the what he got off of. And then remember how it divided the country. I remember I was on the air in, in my studios. Remember, I was a local radio host in Atlanta and I was in the studio. When the verdict comes down, and then I looked in the newsroom, I mean, it, the divide that we saw in the country, I saw in the newsroom where I was working. And that divide politically exists today. Oh, I think that's right. Uh, you know, I mean, there are people who are convinced that he was framed and people who are convinced that he was guilty. And neither side seems likely to change. I, I have no idea what young people, by the way, you know, people who, who are growing up in the post-OJ world. This must all seem strange to them. I guess it probably did. You know, I just, it's funny because I, I told, I was telling my staff today, I said, there, there's a whole generation of people that really don't know this case, didn't follow this case the way we all followed it so closely. And, you know, look at Geraldo, look at Greg Jarrett, look at, you know, and just to a smaller extent, I mean, this isn't what I do, which is O.J. Simpson. I, You know, years ago, I was called up, remember Geraldo had a daytime show, and I went on his daytime show to be 
a guest about OJ. And that's how wow. I know. Crazy memories. All right. Uh, just a quick diversion. Uh, congratulations again. Uh, week number eight on the New York Times list. Understanding Donald Trump, it was number one for a while, and it's still in the top ten still. And it's one of the best-selling books in the country. And it's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com. Mr. Speaker, thanks for being with us. Great. Good talking to you. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue more of our top stories of the day. What's going to happen? Republicans health care. Yes, the deep state. They're leaking in sabotage of the president. And OJC. Simpson. Hi, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So Rosie O'Donnell, the latest after Johnny Depp, after Kathy Griffin, after, let's see, Robert De Niro and all of these other lunatics in Hollywood and their left-wing hate. It's a, it is a weird tension. I think we're at a dangerous time for the First Amendment and for the free press in this country. And at the same time, we're oddly influential with a guy who wants to kill us. And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, F- you. F- you. But this is the hallmark of revolution. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. You know, I had a dream the other night about that I was playing golf with Donald Trump and I was standing beside him with a club in my hand and I was, you know, considering my options when I suddenly woke up. You know, it was one of those dreams when you want to just get back to sleep so you can finish it, you know? That was pretty good. I might have to put Mr. Burgess on Fox News. I'll put, uh, I'll put, I'll put Mr. Burgess up against uh, Sean Hannity. He'll tear him up. I need you to go out and talk to your friends and talk to your neighbors. I want you to talk to them whether they're independent or whether they are Republican. I want you to argue with them and get in their faces. And- press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. What we've got to do is fight in Congress, fight in the courts, fight in the streets, fight online, fight at the ballot box. And now there's the momentum to be able to do this. This is a death panel bill because people will die. This is deadly. This is deadly. I can't stand it. I am the most horrible man I've ever seen. Your president is a dishonorable, lying man. Ordinary people who simply saw what needed to be done and came together and supported those ideals who have made the difference. They've marched. They've bled. Yes, some of them have died. This is hard. Every good thing is. We have done this before. We can do this again. I don't respect this president. I don't trust this president. He's not working in the best interests of the American people. His motives and his actions are contemptible. And I will fight every day until he is impeached. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. As far as I'm concerned, the Tea Party can go straight to hell. In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's holster. Oh, Ivanka's going to be our saving grace. You know, when he's about to nuke Finland or something, she's going to walk into the bedroom and, you know, yeah, daddy, daddy, don't do it, daddy. I mean, he's so blatantly stupid. He's a punk. He's a dog, he's a pig, he's a con, a bull****. 
artist, a mutt who doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't do his homework, doesn't care, thinks he's gaming society, doesn't pay his taxes. He's an idiot, Colin Powell said it best. He's a national disaster. He's an embarrassment to this country. It makes me so angry that this country has gotten to this point, that this fool, this bozo, has wound up where he has. He talks how he wants to punch people in the face. Well, I'd like to punch him in the face. And I might just kill ISIS with the same ice pick that I murdered Donald Trump in the same night with. Which enemy are you most proud of? Probably the Republicans. <laughs> well, there was an incident that occurred while dancing at a bar, okay? A person has a Make America Great hat on their head and it falls on the floor. Then a bar patron, Emma Rodriguez, allegedly stomps on this person Val's hat. Val told the rebel that after he asked her to stop and gently placed his hand on her shoulder to move her away, Rodriguez's boyfriend allegedly attacked Val from behind with a beer bottle. Anyway, so this individual and and Rodriguez allegedly continued the assault against Val, bleeding out on the floor of the bar. Anyway, here to give us more information about all of this, Laura Loomer is a commentator for Rebel and uh, also joining us is Dr. Joseph Pober is with us, and uh, pro-Trump activist Jovi Val. How are you? Hey, guys. Hi. Doing well, Sean. How are you? How's it going? All right, Jovi, you're the person that's a victim in all this. So tell me what happened. You have a... So I guess the... I was uh, leaving a party, and then we decided to go to a bar, me and my friends, and I had the Make America Great Again hat, red with white lettering, you know, the, the, the iconic one, and... I'm there for a few hours just dancing, and the people that attacked me were there too. And finally, my hat falls on the floor, and I guess she took advantage of that and started stepping on it. I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I was like, you know, maybe she accidentally stepped on it. So I give her some time to, like, you know, redeem herself. And it's like, nope, she's stomping on it. She's, like, scraping it against the floor. Mind you, there's liquor in class on the floor. She doesn't care. She's so angry. And then I'm just, like, looking at her like, what are you doing? And then she's like, I hate the hat and I hate you. And I'm like, this is not, I'm not, I'm not for this right now. Like, this is not the time for this. So I moved her away to get my hat. <laughs> and I go to get my hat. And then, like, the guy sees me do that to her. He sees me move her away. And then, like, you know, he puts his hands on me. He, he, he punches me right in my nose, breaks my nose, cuts my face. She hits me in the back of the head with a, a glass bottle. And I know for sure if I did not have the hat on, this would have never happened. And people are saying that, you know, oh, you you shouldn't you should have just waited for her to get off your hat. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. So but. so the picture that I've seen on the internet, on social media, on Twitter, for example, that's a real picture of you. Oh yes. These injuries are massive. I know. How are you? He- was- how are you healing? Great, thanks to uh, Laura Loomer and Dr. Joseph Pover, I'm healing great. You know they. Uh, she she found out what happened to me. She wanted to make sure she got in contact with somebody to help me uh, raise funds on, like, you know, certain websites like WeSearch or GoFundMe and PayPal. And we managed to find a plastic surgeon named Dr. Pober, who's was disgusted when he heard the story. And he's also a Trump supporter. He tells me, like, you know, there's Trump supporters whispering. Wait, plastic surgeons are not cheap. <laughs> not at all. Not that I know myself, but I've never been to one. I, I just know from reading about it. It's, why are you giving me that look? Oh, what do you know about plastic? I've never been to I can barely go to get a checkup. Um, but, well, I'm sorry this happened to you. Um, do you have witnesses to this? 
Yes, uh, we had a couple of uh, friends that we we went to a uh, Milo Yiannopoulos' book release party uh, for his book, Dangerous. So we went there, and we were coming out of that party, all of us together. You know, all Trump supporters, we're all just hanging out, having a great time. I'm telling you, Sean, uh, Mr. Hannity, if you were there, you would love how we're having a great time in New York City with our Trump hats, with, you know, just supporters. Like, we're just having a great time. And here's these two sour apples that just walk in, and then it's like, just ruined it all. You know, it's mm-hmm. a shame. And this is what people are afraid of. People are always whispering that they're Trump supporters. They never yell it. I yell that I'm a Trump supporter. I'm born and raised in New York City, and I will. N- I didn't like the fact that they were blocking Fifth Avenue to cry about an election. It's disgusting. It's like I don't know why they're doing this. And I needed to stand up for my city, which de Blasio doesn't want to do, so I figured I'll do it instead. Well, let me go to Laura Loomer. You might remember Laura because she was the first person when Shakespeare in the Park, Julius Caesar, <laughs> was going on, and they were having a Trump lookalike killed every day. She was I the know. first person to, to storm the stage and say, this just isn't right. And by the way, that was all happening around the time that we had the assassination attempts of these Republicans and these hit lists, and Steve Scalise is still in the hospital to this day. Uh, Laura, how did you get involved in all this? Well, um, you know, I, I'm a reporter for The Rebel here in New York, and I know Joby because he's also um, a pro-Trump activist who stormed the stage of Julius Caesar a couple days later. And so um, him just being in my social circle and also a friend of mine, um, you know, I was very concerned about him. And so as soon as he was released from the hospital, you know, I went to his house in Brooklyn, and I, you know, I made sure that um, that he was receiving care. And you know, I was I was very concerned because his injuries were very traumatic. And um, I immediately wrote up a story and um, you know put a call out on social media for. Yeah. By the way, we posted it on Hannity.com. How many witnesses to this assault do we have? How many, Joby? Uh, I would say we we left the party with about like 10 or 15 of us. And, you know, there was also uh, bar goers there that weren't a part of the group that were upstairs. There was so many different angles that this happened from. And it's like nobody right. stopped it either. That, that's what I don't understand. Like, no. You know, I've been I've been speaking out against political violence against the right. And, um, you know, it's just it's crazy to think that even one of the protesters who stormed the stage of Julius Caesar was a victim of left wing political violence. Here in New York, here in New York City. So, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem that a lot of the mainstream media is refusing to cover, um, of course, because it doesn't fit their narrative. You have a Trump supporter who was attacked by registered Democrats in New York. And, um, of course, the day a hate crime occurs against a New York native, what do you have? You have Mayor Bill de Blasio in Germany protesting with Antifa against President Trump. We don't even have leadership here in the city to stand up for for conservatives who are becoming victims of these vicious political hate crimes. Dr. Joseph Power is the chief of plastic surgery at Hackensack University Medical Center, and uh, you are the one that take care of Joby. Tell us, tell us the extent of these injuries. They looked horrible on online on social media. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, when I first uh, saw uh, <clears throat> Joby in my office on Tuesday. Uh, almost a couple of weeks ago, he uh, presented with a uh, bit of a hematoma on his cheek and a uh, still a very badly fractured nose. When I examined it, he had evidence of a nasocephal fracture and fracture both his bones. When I reviewed the uh, CT scan from the hospital, he confirmed that he had a complex uh, nasocephal fracture, which is a very, very severe injury. It's one step away from the worst kind of nasal fracture you can have called a no fracture where you have the eyes involved as well. 
So he's he had a level a level four type four type fracture, and his laceration of it on his cheek wasn't healing that well. It, it looked like it had a little blood still collecting beneath it, called the hematoma. So I scheduled him for surgery to have both the nasal fracture reduced uh, in acute stage and also to drain the hematoma that revised the uh, scar on his cheek. And, uh, you know, I'm, I assume that insurance, if somebody had a good insurance policy, and I mean a good one, it probably would be covered, but I mean the type of procedure you're doing, and I, I understand you did a pro bono, and that was really nice of you, but I understand it would be very expensive, right? Well, yeah, and, and unfortunately, insurances today are so variable in terms of their coverage. You know, even if a person has insurance today, there's no assurance that they have coverage for these specific issues. Uh, we're finding more and more uh, highly strained <laughs> insurance coverages. So uh, whether a person has insurance or not, especially in New York, it becomes a uh, almost a moot point. Yeah. I just uh, Now, how many other people, Laura, because I know you, you spend a lot of time on social media and Twitter, and I know you're, you know, been doing a lot of reporting and commentating for Rebel, but how many instances like this are happening that nobody's reporting? There's a lot of them, um, you know, all across the country, but... Jovi was the second friend of mine and the second um, Trump activist in one week here in New York City um, to be to be attacked and beaten. Um, there were a group of Proud Boys who went to a bar um, in New York the same week that Jovi was attacked, and they were wearing their hats, and they were with a disabled individual and a Democrat um, who described himself as a member of Antifa took the cane away from the disabled Republican and used it to beat the other um, Trump supporters over the head. So, um, you know, one of my friends, he had to get staples in his head because his head was cracked open because uh, he was a victim of left-wing political violence. Um, another one of my friends who was there um, received a, a broken, I don't know if he broke his nose, but he definitely had a, a black eye and some cuts on his face. So, you know, the injuries are severe. And Dr. Pober, after examining Jovi's face, had said that his he had been hit a little harder, Jovi's face could have been paralyzed. He lost a significant amount of blood, and it could have actually killed him. So when when are we going to start classifying Antifa um, and these violent leftist groups as terrorist organizations? And when is Bill de Blasio going to take a stand against these hate crimes against conservatives? Oh, it's true, and it's happening all, all over the place. What happened with the PayPal GoFundMe, um, the, the PayPal <laughs> GoFundMe, Things that you had up on the internet, Jovi, they they took them down on you or what? Yeah, so what we did was we wanted to start a GoFundMe. That's usually where you want to start it at, and they shut it down. Well, they suspended it, so we raised about, uh, I would say, a 1000 and they suspended it. So we were like, you know, we're not just going to, like, give up on that, but we'll come back to it later. We did PayPal, then there was people saying that they cannot send funds to the PayPal. So then we finally did a WeSearcher, and then right after the WeSearcher comes up, me and a couple of people were just working on getting the GoFundMe and the PayPal back. And finally we did, and now we have all three up, and we're just trying to raise money right now. Also, um, for this this idea that, you know, what happened to me was a political hate crime, and it needs to be treated as such. And for that reason, we're raising money, like, through Scars and Stripes. And Scars and Stripes is a fund that we're starting to help victims of political hate crimes. All right. I got to thank you all for being with us. I'm sorry you went through this. We're going to continue to monitor and chronicle all this insanity and hatred and viciousness and vileness. And we all know that if it was happening to Hillary Clinton or her supporters or Bernie Sanders or Barack mm-hmm. Obama, that we'd get a very different amount of commentary from the media. Right. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. 
All right, Hannity, tonight, 10 Eastern, we will have the latest. O.J. Simpson is released from jail. Geraldo is out on the West Coast. Don't worry, we're not doing O.J. Christopher Darden, who's one of the prosecutors in the case, in case you're just joining us, Harvey Levin, tonight, will have the very latest on the inaction of Republicans. Newt Gingrich will weigh in on all of that. And Ted Cruz has a way to dramatically lower premiums. He'll tell us how. All right, that's all the time we have left for today. Let not your heart be troubled. We will be back here tomorrow. See you tonight on Hannity at 10. Thanks for being with us. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.